Welcome everyone to Football Friday, presented by Football Addicts Anonymous. Apologize for the delay. Got out of class at around, uh, what was it, 2.45. I was not, um, didn't have time to get the script and the uh, PowerPoint done, so had to do it real quick on the fly when we got home here. So PowerPoint's probably not going to be the best one I've ever, we've ever had on here, but uh it's fine. Just Chris and I today. Chris is going <laughs> through spots of service and no service, so uh, <laughs> we'll we'll yeah, bear with that. I should be fine now. <laughs> well, you're frozen for a second there, um, but anyways, got a full slate of NFL preseason action starting off tonight. Uh, it is. College football week zero, y'all. We made it. There are games that count tomorrow. Uh, for the average fan, probably games that you will not watch <laughs> because they're not the greatest of matchups. That tends to happen early on in the college season. But, um, yeah, we had a bunch of trades. One uh, more notable than the other couple. And... Uh, a lot of NFL news. It's getting to that time of year. Cut starting. Uh, we'll have cut down to 53 next week. We have our fantasy draft, uh, our, our Real Money Fantasy League this weekend, so that's exciting. And before uh, we get into the Saints and Jags recap, wanna want to shout out the alma mater, Northern. Northern's playing tonight, their first game of the high school season. Uh, they're going... Uh, hosting Redland, I believe. So, good luck, boys. Uh, just shouting them out since I helped them while I was home a little bit. So, Anyways, we did have one game to talk recap this week. It was, it was on Monday night. Um, Saints beat the Jags 23-21. Shouldn't have been that close. <laughs> um, the backup Saints defenders really let... Uh, Gardner Minshew and C.J. Beathard just throw it wherever they wanted, essentially. And so that kind of, you know, brought into the, the thing that we've been saying all along. The Saints are not deep, especially defensively. Um, so I, I don't know, Chris. I mean, I'm just saying that they're, they're going to be in trouble with, with – a couple injuries. I mean, they already are at the wide receiver position. They already have a bunch of guys out, a couple guys out there. So, but anyways, I think the biggest storyline, this one, Jameis. Jameis looked fantastic. Um, won the, um, won the quarterback job, which we'll talk about. But uh, yeah, two drives, nine for ten, one twenty-three, two touchdowns. No turnovers. Almost a perfect quarterback rating. <laughs> no thoughts on, on Jameis, Chris?
Not sure what is going on, but anyways, uh, we'll keep rolling here. Um, Chris, can you hear me? <laughs> can you hear me, Chris? Chris, your thoughts on the Saints game, on Jameis specifically? Okay. Well, anyways, while while Chris gets his uh, connectivity <laughs> going, uh, Chris, can you actually hear me now? Marquez Callaway had a had a great connection with Jameis Winston, over 100 yards, two touchdowns, all five receptions there. Um, Lil Jordan Humphrey also with a touchdown. That one came from Taysom Hill. <laughs> and now we have two Chris's. That's cool. Um, yeah, I don't know how that's possible. Um, but anyways, you can actually hear me, though, now. Yes, I, I can finally hear you. I can see you moving. Okay, cool. Oh, the other Chris went away now. That's what we like to see. <laughs> um, but anyways, like I was trying to ask you before for a couple minutes, um, your thoughts on Jameis and uh, the fantastic game that he had. I mean, I've been a believer in Jameis pretty much ever since he came to the Saints because I knew that Sean Payton and co would be able to kind of shape him up a little bit. Uh, I mean, we saw flashes last year when he was able to play like that one play that he had, I think against his former team, the Buccaneers, when he threw that deep touchdown pass and that kind of just continued into this preseason and into this game too. And uh, I mean, I'm sure I mean, I wasn't surprised with the news about him being named the starter. Uh, so, I mean, I just obviously he the last time he was a starter was the the year that he threw thirty and thirty. Yeah, I I don't really see that happening with the Saints. Obviously, they have their their. Uh, I guess you could say issues with the wide receiver. I mean, I know you were I, – I, the one thing I did hear you say before was about the uh, lack of depth that the Saints do have, and that is true. The Saints have no depth pretty much anywhere on their roster, uh, except for maybe running back. That might be the only position they actually have depth in. But some of those other lesser-known guys, though, on the offense, like for, mostly in the wide receiver uh, group, like uh, – the one guy, Callaway, right? I think his name is. 
Yeah, Marquez Callaway. Yeah, he's had a phenomenal preseason. I wouldn't. I mean, I'd be surprised if he doesn't make the roster at this point. Um, and he just adds another weapon for Jameis to throw to. Uh, but even without Michael Thomas for the the few games that he'll be out, I think that Jameis Winston will be fine throwing to Traquan Smith and Callaway and I don't know whoever else uh, will be there for that. I mean, is Chris Hogan still on the team? I think so. I believe um, so. He hasn't played, though, to my knowledge. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. But once he does play, I think he'll be a uh, a solid player for them. So, I don't know. I don't. I, th- I feel like this has been the narrative with the Saints this year so far, but I don't think that the offense will be a problem. I think it'll be more the defensive side of the ball. I don't know. Chris Hogan did play against the Ravens in in game one. Um, just didn't didn't get any targets in this one if he did play. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, Marquez Callaway, Lil Jordan Humphrey looked good. Um Offensively for the Jags, Gardner uh, Lawrence was so-so. Uh, like we were talking about before, you know, the Jags had some some starting O line out still. Um, specifically, Cam Robinson at left tackle, Andrew Norwell at guard. So, I think once they get those two guys back in there, be more protection. Uh, for Trevor Lawrence there, and he won't have to run around as much, but wasn't as sharp in this one. Um, Saints starting defense is is pretty solid. So, but yeah, I, the I think Gardner Minshew has the the hold on the backup job, but CJ Beathard definitely made made a push in this one. Yeah, with uh, two touchdown drives there. And it kind of hurt because that Minshew, his pick was right in the red zone, right inside the ten yard line. So, well, whoever doesn't win the backup job for Jacksonville, though, I think will, I think they have a shot at latching on with somebody as the backup. Because um, obviously, there's there's other options out there, but they're not the the guys in Jacksonville are not nearly as expensive. I'm talking about Nick Foles here. Yeah. I mean, Nick Foles is probably better than the guys in Jacksonville, but he still costs way too much. So if I were a team looking for an experienced backup, I think I'd look for whoever gets cut from Jacksonville. Well, I don't think either of those guys are getting cut. Um, I think they're going to keep three and then hope to <laughs> hope to stash Jake Luton uh, on the practice squad if they can. If not, Jake Luton going somewhere else isn't a terrible thing for the Jags. So even, even though, you know, he was a a draft pick last year. So, um, defensively, or actually before we go to defense, I felt really bad for Kevin White in this game. Um, Kevin White came in in the second half, played a little bit with Taysom, and then the majority of the game, he was playing with Trevor Simeon. Uh, actually, no, Taysom, Taysom played a lot of the second half. Simeon played most of the fourth quarter. But um, 
Yeah, he was playing with Taysom, and they had back-to-back designed plays for him. Dropped the first one, and you're like, okay, you know, okay, you, you dropped that one, that's on you. Uh, but it's okay. It's okay. We'll go back to you. Next these next freaking play, dude. They throw it right to him again and he drops it again and they, they like we said, I mean, they they were having depth issues with Thomas and probably Deontay Harris being out as well for the first few. But I I don't think Kevin White can make it. <laughs> you got to catch the ball. So but anyways, uh, defensively, star of the game, Winton McManus for the Saints. Backup linebacker trying to make the roster. Three pass selections at a pick. Was all over the field with seven tackles. Um, five of them being solo. So I think that's really the, the only guy to discuss a lot. In yeah, I mean, that. he was a big factor, but that... Uh... I mean, that was a big uh, performance, especially since, like, I know you're one of the people that's been very vocal about how bad the Saints linebacking core is. So the fact that he was able to show up and uh, actually perform, even if it was against, like, third stringers or whatever else, it still shows that they have somewhat of a good backup there. Yeah, um, just looking at who they have at linebacker right now on the roster. You know, Zach Bond, Demario Davis, um, Chad Hansen, or Chase Hansen, not Chad Hansen. He's a wide receiver. I was going to say, wait, he switched to, to linebacker? Um, let's see, Pete Warner. Yeah, so so Bond, Davis, and Warner are going to be the starters. You got Caden Ellis, Chase Hansen, and then really, I mean, Witten McManus is probably going to be the next guy. Oh, they have Quan Alexander, too. Forgot about him. But, uh, yeah, other guys, Andrew Dowell, Shaq Smith, and Marcus Willoughby. Not sure about those guys, so... But yeah, a um, couple guys with sacks there. Jalen Dalton, Jihad Ward, Dwayne Smoot, and Chappelle Russell. Jags covered plus four, over 40 hits. I was telling Chris, I know there's a lot of people up in arms and, and mad about that because the Saints were up 23-3. The under was covering. The Saints were covering their minus four. And then the Saints defense let up, and C.J. Beathard led two touchdown drives. <laughs> so, yeah, that did not help at all. It also didn't help that they got a two-point conversion that would have pushed the four points. So, anyways, that was that game on Monday. Let's go to NCAA News. Big one. I was really hoping Mark was going to be on today. Uh, I also attempted to get a special guest on today to talk about this, um, but he wasn't available either. So 
I guess we'll have a, a mild conversation, a pretty short one, because I don't think, as far as I know, Chris, either of us are really in tuned to what this is about. Um, uh, a lot of it is about, anyways. So, the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12, they anna- officially announced that they are forming an alliance. Um, one of the elements that I saw was the inclusion of scheduling games in between all three of the conferences, um, non-conference games there. This is difficult because uh, of how far out collegiate schedules go. Uh, Ten years for some matchups. Um, So (laughs) the scheduling part is difficult. And again, it would most likely only affect college football and men's and women's basketball. Um, But yeah, I don't really know any much about the the alliance. (laughs) I mean, kind of like you said, though, with college football, these things come out, or not college football, but with, with college in general, these kind of things happen years in advance. Uh, I mean, like, like what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago with the uh, with the playoff expansion and stuff, that's still years away. So I tend not to really take these, uh, these bits of news too seriously until it gets closer and closer to when it's actually going to happen. Uh, that being said, though, I mean, the three conferences that you mentioned are very big conferences in terms of, like, the teams that are in are very good schools and popular teams. And so, I mean, if they're all in an alliance to have, like, like games against each other and stuff, again, I kind of said this uh before when we were talking about the other, uh, like some of the teams dropping from the, it was from the big 12, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like I'm all for whatever makes the best TV. So if that means these three conferences are going to make the alliance and make the games against each other or whatever, then I'm all for it. Yeah. And their, their goal was to uh, promote their academic interests um, because they believe that collegiate athletics is pushing too closely to the professional boundary Um, so they really want to try to promote the academic side of being the student athlete um, as anyone that is in a sport management program or has been in one knows the meaning of why student comes before athlete in this phrase student athlete. Um, But yeah, that also, uh, I had something else in my mind that I wanted to say about it and it just went away. So probably not going to say that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. I don't remember what I was what I was getting at there. But anyways, NFL news. 
Uh, let's see, how many trades did we have? Five. Five trades. And I only did one slide for the most notable one, but we'll talk about the other ones quickly before we get to the, the biggest one here. So the Texans, um, they traded corner John Reed to the Seahawks for a conditional 2023 seventh round selection. Breaks up the uh, Reed brothers. I uh, Actually, no, Eric is not in Houston anymore. I don't believe, anyways. I don't remember where he went, but I don't think he's in Houston. I just remember that they had been together for a little bit, mm -hmm. anyways. But yeah, John Reed, um, my Penn State boy, so gets a new team in Seattle. The I mean, I don't, I don't know if that. I mean, like you said, it wasn't a big trade. Obviously, it was for a seventh round pick. So usually those trades are kind of just like whatever. Like he wasn't going to make the Texans roster anyway, but. We're talking about a corner going to Seattle, and we all know that cornerback is one of their weakest positions. So, who knows? Maybe he actually does make a big impact on their team. Yeah, and it's a conditional conditional pick to boot um, in 2023. So, a lot of the times when teams send conditional seventh-round picks, there's... The, there's a lot of times where those conditions don't get met and then no pick is actually exchanged. <laughs> um, or, you know, it is a definite seventh-round pick and then it turns into a sixth if something happens. A lot of the times, yeah. a lot of times with lower-level players, it's, all right, is he on the rock? Does he make the 53-man? How many games is he on the 53-man? Next trade here, the Panthers making a couple moves, actually. Uh, they traded linebacker Denzel Perriman and a 2022 seventh to the Raiders and get back a 2022 sixth-round pick. So they move up around, trade Perriman to the Raiders. Just like you were saying with the Seahawks, linebacker was the weakest link on the Raiders' defense. Um, they were having depth issues. I know they talked about that in the Raiders, um, Raiders Rams game that they had this past weekend. Uh, so, and they, it's just like you said again, like John Reed, you know, Perriman wasn't going to make the roster in Carolina with the emergence of Jermaine Carter. So, got something out of him at least. And uh, the other trade that the Panthers were involved in, uh, they traded a conditional 2022 seventh round selection to the Giants for kicker Ryan Santoso. Now, we talked about Santoso drawing trade interest throughout the league. Panthers, Joey Sly had been, has been terrible this offseason. Uh, this preseason and training yeah. camp. So, intriguing move. Um, the condition in order for the Giants to get the seventh round selection is uh, if Santoso is on the roster for two games. <laughs> That's it. Which I think he will be. 
Um, I think this this game tonight for the Panthers will really decide it. Uh, if, if Sly has a bad night and Santoso has a good one, I don't think there's any question. Now, like I said when we were talking about Santoso on Monday – I really don't know much about him. I, I had never mm-hmm. heard of his name before that report that he was getting trade interest. So at the sea, um, but it was also interesting, I thought, or, or weird that Sly was struggling. The Panthers signed a guy named Dominic Eberly, who was um, a German kicker, I believe. And they waived him right after they traded for Santoso. So, and the thing is, is that Everlade looked good apparently in practice the couple days that he had. I don't know. Maybe they just thought that uh, Santoso was better, regardless of how good uh, the other guy looked. But uh, we were talking about this trade pre-show, and you brought up the other guy too from Indy, Pinero, or, or yeah, Pinero. Uh, He's still out there, so I'm kind of surprised that they didn't go after a guy like him, and instead they traded. A, I mean, you said it was a conditional pick, so if if he doesn't even make the roster, then they don't lose the pick anyway. But um, still, I think Pinero is a better kicker in general. So I don't know. It's weird to see him still not have a job at the moment, but. Uh, yeah, I think this is one of the biggest, quote-unquote, biggest position battles still left in the NFL. And I wonder if we're really going to see the effects of not having the fourth preseason game and having to make the decision too quickly. Yeah. Because they only have tonight pretty much to decide which kicker they want to go with. Right, yeah. And, you know... It- never guaranteed how many kicking opportunities you're going to get in a game either so mm-hmm. but yeah Panero uh, we'll, we'll see about if he latches on anywhere the last trade before we get to the other the big one um, the this one actually was kind of big I, I, I shouldn't say before we get to the big one because this was weird as well the Ravens they traded 2021 fifth round rookie corner Sean Wade to the Patriots for a 2022 seventh and a 2023 fifth round selection. So it's interesting they get they get the original pick back in two years, and then they add a seventh rounder to next year's selections. Um, so I mean that's that's good that's good for the Ravens they they up. They got more value out of than out of him than what they used on him. Mm. But it was yeah. also weird because they traded a fifth rounder. Yeah, uh, the NFL is probably one of the sports where you don't really see the draft picks from this year being traded around. Um, obviously, it's like a commonplace thing for like the NBA because they get traded the second they get drafted, but. Uh, yeah, for the NFL, you never really see draft picks from this year get traded. Yeah, you see them get cut and then sign with somebody else, but hardly ever do you see one get traded. Um, but 
again, this was a weird trade, not only for that, though, but I feel like the Ravens really needed corner help. And I thought Sean Wade was pretty good coming out of the draft. And I was surprised that he fell to the fifth round. So, I don't know. Maybe they know something that we obviously don't know. But... Well, I... On the Ravens' defense, the secondary is by far the strongest unit on, on the defense. Um, because And they've had a bunch of corners for a couple of years now. And just adding to it with Sean Wade, they felt like they had too many guys. And like I said before, it's it's a good ROI, return on investment, you know, right away. It's... it's it's short, uh, short selling your stock here. So, and, and the Patriots, I don't necessarily know if they needed more corners because just like the Ravens, I thought that the Patriots had had always been uh, pretty decent at, at the cornerback position. So, yeah. we'll see if we can latch on or not. I don't know. Maybe they're just preemptively. Uh preemptively solving the uh, inevitable departure of Stephon Gilmore. True, true. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, he's going to have to make the the roster as a fifth or sixth corner, probably. And then, you know, play special teams predominantly during his rookie season. I just have a hard time trading anything above a sixth-round pick and not keeping the guy that you traded for um, the same year anyways. So, if he gets cut, I feel like that would be a terrible trade for the Patriots. And I think... And there was was no conditions in this trade, right? It was just straight up a fifth and a seventh? Yeah. Um, And... And I think... uh, That if Sean Wade doesn't make the Patriots roster, he's going to be one of the top um, free agents out of cuts. So, also, uh, this actually makes two years in a row top five round picks get traded the same season, as we saw Lynn Bowden uh, get traded last year, third round pick for the Raiders going to the Dolphins. So, Didn't Isaiah Wilson get traded last year, too, or was that this year he got traded? This spring. Uh, so, it wasn't the same year, but... Yeah. Okay, let's get to the big trade here. We do have a slide for this one. So, the Patriots traded running back Sonny Michelle to the Los Angeles Rams for, for conditional 2022 fifth and sixth round selections. Now, that condition is that um, if or when the Rams acquire a fourth-round compensatory pick, um, those fifth- and sixth-round picks from the Rams change, combine into and change to a fourth-round pick that is their compensatory pick. And they're... um, they are expecting to have a, a fourth-round comp pick next season uh, with the because of the Josh Johnson signing by Cleveland, I believe it was. Yeah. 
So that's where they think they're going to get a pit that pick from. But yeah, you know, we'll talk about Daryl Henderson's injury uh, in a bit. You know, Cam Akers already done for the year. Xavier Jones also got dinged up, I believe, in this yeah. past preseason game. So. I mean, Sony Michelle, though, I, ever since he's been in the league, I can't really remember his days in college, but ever since he's been in the league, he hasn't really been a featured back. So, I mean, obviously you just went over all the injury issues that are going through the Rams running back room, but it sounds like Sony Michelle is going to see significant playing time and significant carries and stuff like that, which I don't know if he was the type of back that I would have went with for that purpose. Um, obviously he's been pretty good in a committee role with James White or whoever else that they've had over the years in New England. But, uh, Although I do think that this obviously helps Michelle's uh, fantasy value a lot. But, yeah, we'll have to see how that goes. Plus, this trade also kind of causes a little bit of a ripple effect. And I don't know. I don't know if the Rams are going to sign anybody now like we had thought for all these weeks. Right. Yeah. I I agree. And... I will say that Sony Michelle isn't the healthiest running back either. He has had yeah. injury issues as well throughout his career so far. And that's why I want to keep I want everyone to keep this nugget in the back of your mind, especially fantasy. I know I just cut him. Um or no, I haven't cut him yet, but he is he is one of my projected cuts in Dynasty. Um, but Jake Funk, I am telling you, dude, seventh round pick out of Maryland. He's going to make the roster. He'll, he'll play special teams. That's fine. But when Sonny Michelle and Daryl Henderson get injured, Jake Funk will be there. <laughs> and I left out Xavier Jones in that conversation because... Xavier Jones to me is not a between the tackles runner. So I I view Xavier Jones as more of a pass catcher and not really um big enough to run between the tackles. But Jake Funk is. So just saying, keep in mind. Keep keep the funk in mind. And uh for New England though, it's pretty solid value. Uh, fourth round selection, um, eventually, for, you know, a guy that was in a committee role. And I think also for New England, this freed up a spot to be able to keep a guy that has been having a, a really good preseason, and that is J.J. Taylor. Um, I believe second year out of Arizona. Um, I could be wrong on, on the year he is in, but yeah, I, I think that's really one of the reasons why the Patriots wanted to do this, so they 
they could make sure J.J. Taylor is on the roster as well as Ramondre Stevenson because they had a bunch of backs with Damian Harris, James White, Sony Michelle, J.J. Taylor, Ramondre Stevenson. I think I just named five. So now they can keep those four since Sony is gone. And I can't even uh, pull up J.J. Taylor because, like I said in uh, pre-show, my phone just randomly goes to one bar at sometimes, one bar of service at sometimes, and um, <laughs> it's just weird like that. So anyways, oh, I can, I can pull up J.J. Taylor now, though, just to see. Yes, second year out of Arizona, so. But yeah, enough on Sony Michelle. I think we covered that pretty well. I can rhyme. I know it. I'm pretty good at that. Anyways, running back news. More running back news. Uh, NFL news, I should say. We'll start. We'll, we'll keep the Rams up on the on the docket. So, like I said. Running back Daryl Henderson, he has a sprained thumb day-to-day with that one, so not my, not major, um, but it's just adding to the list of uh, injuries that Daryl Henderson has had in his short career so far. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm also, it's kind of like a like a bummer for somebody like uh, Henderson, who he was poised to have a big season. Not saying that he won't still have a big season once he comes back, but yeah, the it was a sprained thumb, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean. I, I would think, especially for a running back, that's an injury that would probably need to be healed almost fully for them to for him to come back from. And if this is a nagging injury that keep that keeps going all year, then it's going to be a bad year for him. Yeah, I I agree. And uh, if you have Daryl Henderson in fantasy right now, you better be trading for Sony Michelle. <laughs> don't over don't over trade for it though for him alright Saints more issues with the Saints more depth issues coming for the Saints uh, this time at the tight end position two guys went out of Monday night's game at that position uh, Adam Troutman he hurt his foot and ankle probably at about one to three weeks so Maybe week one is still in play for him. And then I haven't heard any update, but uh, Nick Vanette also, he has a knee injury. But like I said, I haven't heard anything about what that is. I don't, I don't know, but all I know is that Troutman's just lucky that he was like my fourth tight end on my roster. <laughs> so otherwise I'd be very upset about this. But I have... Uh, I'm pretty set at the tight end position in our dynasty league, so. I have, yeah, I, got I have no idea who's going to play for them at tight end now. Like, it's specifically yeah. 
specifically this week, uh, tomorrow, they they play their... Uh, actually, wait, did that just... I thought they had moved that game. That... Yeah, they... they uh, I think it was supposed to be Sunday night, but they moved it to Sunday at 1 o'clock, I think. Right. Which that was a different game I saw. But now... Uh, yeah, I, I missed that one. Yeah, the, the Saints-Cardinals game is actually canceled um, because of the hurricane. Hurricane huh. Ida. So, yeah. Saints-Cardinals not going this weekend. So, that, that helps them. <laughs> they, don't have to, they don't have to worry about who's going to play tight end in this game. Um, yeah, but that also could hurt them in the sense that they didn't get a third game to evaluate their team. Uh, yeah. So this is just, an, I mean, obviously you can't control things like a hurricane or any sort of weather like that, but this is just another negative note about the three uh, three preseason games. Right, yeah. Because now those, te- those two teams only get two. So they don't get as much evaluation time in real game situations. But Yeah. I think the Saints definitely needed it. <laughs> um, yeah. Lack of depth. The Jags, they placed rookie running back Travis Etienne on IR, ending his season before it started. He has a Liz Frank uh, tear in his foot. He's going to have surgery on that. Um, I was... It was weird to me that they put him on IR to end his season because initially I think it was Ian Rappaport that said he'll have surgery minimum 12 weeks. Um, you know, so, you know, you're going to miss the majority of the season being out 12 weeks. And I guess that was cause and the Jags were like, well, we're probably not going to be in contention by the time that he would come back anyways, might as well just let him get a whole year's rest and come back next season. Yeah. Uh, this was very uh, unfortunate, though, because he was one of the players I was very excited to see coming out of the draft this year. Um, and then especially, not the fact that he was drafted to Jacksonville, because I don't think anybody really cares about Jacksonville. But just the fact that he was reunited with uh, Trevor Lawrence, and I was looking forward to see the chemistry between those two kind of uh, keep going. But uh, I mean, was he was he taking reps at the running back position again, or was he still doing the whole wide receiver thing like he was earlier in camp? I saw him. I mean, just based off Monday, that was the only time I had ever watched him play for the Jags. Um, It looked like he was majority of playing running back. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know what they really had planned for him. Obviously, like I said, he was lined up at wide receiver a lot at the beginning of camp, but then in the games, he was probably mostly a running back. But if nothing else, uh, like I said, obviously I'm kind of sad to see him not play this year, but this is a big impact on fantasy because obviously that him going down takes away a running back, but it also, I think 
makes James Robinson's status go up too because now he doesn't have to share the ball uh, at least not as much as he would have probably if Etienne was playing. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Uh, you know, James Robinson's fancy stock skyrocketed after this news um, came down. And I know a lot of people now are ranking James Robinson as RB15. Um, so, not sure if that's accurate. Who knows, but... I mean, he's not really a receiving back, if I can remember correctly. So, and I feel like that that is kind of what ETN was and what Lawrence probably prefers. So, I don't know. Obviously, like I said, James Robinson's going to get the carries, but I don't know if they have another guy to go out and catch it from the backfield on the roster right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, that That's what I was about to get into, too, is like who, who do they actually have that can catch the ball out of the backfield? Because, you know, they have James Robinson, Carlos Hyde. Um, I, I would think that... Daria Ogunbowale would probably be the most, the the best receiver, but actually it probably is James Robinson. I think he he'll surprise people about with how well he can catch the ball. Actually, um, I wouldn't be surprised if, given the opportunities, he would have a decent receiving line this year. Okay. Um, quarterback news the Falcons they worked out quarterback Blake Bortles but they signed quarterback Josh Rosen after AJ McCarron was done for the year Um, they got another backup now Rosen's been around in a very short amount of time but is he you know, is he actually going to be the guy that they go with behind Matt Ryan? That's a big question. I mean, at the moment, there's not many options out there. Obviously, you mentioned Blake Bortles. I know your guy, RG3, is still out there. Um, and uh, obviously, there's going to be a couple more names out there when the season starts or even after this weekend because the uh, teams are going to have to cut down and all that. So there's going to be a couple more names out there. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Josh Rosen was an interesting choice for me. Uh, obviously, like you had, you just said, he he's bounced around a lot in his four years in the league now, three years in the league. I don't know. Um, and he hasn't. He really hasn't had a fair shot other than his rookie year in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe in all his stops, he's actually been getting better and uh, becoming a decent quarterback. But, yeah, I, I think that this was mostly a result of uh, best available right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, I I couldn't could not disagree with that assessment. 
But uh, other quarterback news, obviously we already said Jameis Winston has won the job in New Orleans. But I'll add, though, he now, being the starter, has the opportunity to make $7 million extra dollars um, in incentives, playtime incentives this, this year, which is huge. A um, lot of money on the table for Jameis and uh, should be able to hit a majority of the incentives, I would think. Okay, uh, also quarterback, the Bears. Quarterback Justin Fields, he will start this week in the preseason for Chicago. They're resting Andy Dalton, letting him rest up a couple weeks to get ready for week one. So probably yeah, see a full um, first half of, of Andy of Justin Fields. Uh, wait, so they had already announced that Andy Dalton was the starter. Uh, um, they Matt Nagy's been saying that all off season, so probably. Oh, I don't know. I I just assumed that there was an open competition there too, or at least they weren't yeah. going to say that there was a starter. But uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not really surprised because. I didn't think Justin Fields was going to uh, was going to be the starter, but uh, I am very interested to see. Uh, I mean, I've been saying it all uh, teams approach this game, third game or who they played in last week's games and who they're not going to play. Uh, it'll be uh, without that uh, fourth game. Yeah. Uh, Justin Fields, should, like I said, he, I think he's going to play probably the first half, um, and then that'll that'll be it, and then they'll turn it over to... Nick Foles or or whoever. The uh, we already got through Colts waving kicker Eddie Pinero. Uh, the Panthers locking up a guy for another two seasons. Your boy, wide receiver Robbie Anderson, two years, twenty nine and a half million, uh, twenty and a half million guaranteed. Love it. He's going to get another opportunity to hit free agency at the age of 30. Hey, I mean, uh, this is a good move on the Panthers' part because he was only under contract for this season coming up, right? I believe so. Yeah, so this is a good preemptive thing for the Panthers because obviously, I mean, he's been a great receiver for them uh, since he's been there, but... Not only that, but now they have his former quarterback as their starting quarterback, and at the moment, Sam Donald seems to be the future at the position for the Panthers. So why not go out and get him a guy that he's comfortable throwing to? Or lock up, I should say, not go out and get because they already had him. But, you know, it's a that was a smart move on their part, I think. Uh, what were the – what were the uh, – dollars though for that deal two years 29 and a half million 20 and a half guaranteed 
Yeah, so, I mean, that was more than he was making. I think it was 10 years, or uh, $10 million annual for him in the deal that he had in place already, I think. So uh, it's a little bit of a pay raise for him, and I think that's a pretty solid deal for him, too. Yeah, I I agree. Um, like I said, I, I love Robbie Anderson. I think he's a great fit in Carolina. And uh not sure if, if he'll get signed again after his deal's up, but I'm just looking at uh, the Twitter feed and, dude, Ryan Santoso for the, for the Panthers, they were just... They had, like, a video on their social media page uh, saying, you know, look how look how big he is. Dude, the man is, is 6'5", 260 as a kicker. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, just massive. And, uh, wow, looks like it's going to be a great, great weather for the, the Eagles-Jets game tonight, Chris, huh? Yeah, it's great weather. I mean, I haven't hit it yet. I'm going down to Jersey, but apparently it's been pouring all day there, so we'll yeah. see how it goes. I just see some videos from the Eagles' social media. <laughs> it is absolutely pouring <laughs> at MetLife right now. Um, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see how sloppy that game is. Uh, I mean, I know I'll be watching it, so... Uh, At least it's a turf field, though, so they don't have to worry about the mud and all that. Yeah, well, injuries are still an issue. (laughs) Since it's MetLife. Interesting situation. The... I guess he... I don't know if he actually signed or not, but... I called him free agent tight end Luke Wilson. He retired um, because of a heart condition that they found, I guess, while he when he did his physical signing with huh. the, the Seahawks. Um, I, I would assume that's where they found it. Yeah. But, yeah. So, Luke Wilson not signing with the Seahawks. He is now um, retired. The Seahawks, we talked about how they acquired John Reed. Well, uh, before they did that, they released a corner. That corner is Pierre Desir. Uh, <laughs> will we'll most likely latch on somewhere, I would assume. Decent depth corner there. Uh, yeah. Uh, obviously, he was a gent for a brief time was that last year or two years ago whatever it was but uh he's definitely better suited as a depth piece than a premier player because that didn't work out too well with the jets last year or whenever he played with us (laughs) the browns wide receiver davion davis he is suspended for the first two games violating the nfl policy and program on substances of abuse um so that is not good. Don't ha- have any other details on 
Davis's suspension most likely not going to make the roster regardless in Cleveland. The Texans, they hosted a couple guys for visits this week. Um, those, those two guys were corner Rasul Douglas, recently released by the Raiders, and linebacker Tahir Whitehead, uh, released by the Panthers this offseason as well. So, I don't know. I, I really think Rasul Douglas has been a lo- uh, much improved since the time when he was in Philadelphia as a second-day draft pick. You know, I thought he played well with the Panthers. Not sure how well he was doing with the Raiders. Obviously, they cut him. But I thought he was he was playing well when he was in Carolina, so wouldn't be a terrible move by the Texans. I'm just I I don't even know what to say anymore when it comes to the Texans. They literally want to sign every player that's on the market. Um the Bills, wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie, he suffered a shoulder injury in practice this week. Haven't heard any update on that, but he's been having a really good training camp as a receiver, not as just a punt returner. Um, As a receiver, he has been having a pretty good camp, um, looking to solidify probably the fourth spot. No. No. The fifth wide receiver spot actually um because they have cole beasley stefan diggs emmanuel sanders and gabriel davis ahead of him he was one of the players that got fined for the uh not wearing the mask too i think so he's had a rough week yes him and cole beasley both fined for COVID violations. The Hall of Fame Senior Committee, they announced their two senior finalists. Um, Their senior player finalist is Raiders wide receiver Cliff Branch, and their senior head coach finalist, or coaching finalist, is uh, former Eagles and Rams head coach Dick Vermeil for the class of 2022. Both solid. Yeah, I I love to see Dick Vermeil get in. I mean, I know he never won much with the Eagles, but he did take them to a Super Bowl and uh, obviously took the Rams to their only Super Bowl win ever. So he uh, he was the coach in the uh, movie Invincible, wasn't he? Uh huh. Yep. That's what I thought. Giants, tight end Kyle Rudolph, he passed his physical, got back to practice this week. Good sign for the Giants. Um, (laughs) It's kind of funny because their top two tight ends uh, have had injury issues, as we know very well from Evan Ingram and the amount of games that he has missed over his career. Steelers, tonight, uh, Dwayne Haskins. He is going to start and play 
the majority of the game. Uh, I'm not sure when. It's going to be Haskins and Josh Dobbs tonight. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to love to see Haskins get a lot of reps. Um, it's kind of sad, though, because Big Ben, Mason Rudolph, Najee Harris, all not going to play. But I think the biggest thing for me is Mason Rudolph not playing. That means Mason Rudolph is solidified as the number two. Um, Haskins fighting Josh Dobbs for the number three. I don't really think that's a fight. Josh Dobbs hasn't really played that much in the preseason anyways. Um, so, yeah, and uh, the Steelers are one of the two lucky teams that had that extra game being the Hall of Fame game so they've had a lot longer to evaluate yes. and uh, I mean if there's if there's a coach in the NFL that can turn around a guy like Dwayne Haskins I think Mike Tomlin's one of them yes yes I, I agree the Jags <laughs> They announced their starter for week one at quarterback. It's Trevor Lawrence. Everyone was shocked, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, number one overall pick. Obviously, there's been cases in the past where the number one pick doesn't play right away or whatever, or they are in an actual competition for quarterback or whatever, but I don't think this one was ever really a competition. I think... Like when uh, Urban Meyer was hired, that he was like Trevor Lawrence was part of the, the discussion. So I don't think there was ever really a uh, a question, but I mean Trevor Lawrence didn't necessarily earn the job though either. He didn't play that well in preseason, as we alluded to uh, when we went over the <clears throat> the Saints game, but. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll see a different side of him when the regular season actually comes around, but we'll have to wait and see. The the Broncos also announced their week one starter. It is Teddy Bridgewater. He beat out Drew Locke, uh, as you saw probably on our Dynasty Mm -hmm. League. Uh, The Drew Drew Locke's time ended on... On my dynasty team, finally after two seasons, because um, I picked up a rookie that I'll probably cut anyways, uh, because I don't, I just don't have spot. I, dude, cuts cuts on dynasty are very difficult. My roster is always always a difficult situation, and then yeah, people go and use um, my players against me, and they're good. I mean, what can I say? I, yeah. I have a lot of good players that I can't keep. Yeah, I know. Um. But, uh, yeah, I – this is a move that I kind of saw coming, though. I – ever since Bridgewater went to Carolina – I mean, not Carolina. Ever since he went to Denver from Carolina, I I had a feeling that he was going to be the starter. Obviously, Drew Locke had struggled uh, last year, and obviously there's a reason why they traded for Bridgewater. And – uh yeah, I just think that Bridgewater was the overall better player. And, uh, again, this move didn't really surprise me. Now I'm kind of interested to see what happens with Drew Locke. Obviously, I think he's going to stick on the roster as the backup for now. But do they go back to him if Bridgewater struggles early on? Or do they just stick with Bridgewater? 
does Drew Lock get an opportunity somewhere else in the future to be the starter? I don't know, but we'll have to wait and see for that too. Yeah, I uh, I think it's going to be tough for for uh, them to not play Drew if if Teddy isn't going well. But um, we'll have to wait and see, obviously. People believe that the Broncos have a very solid playoff caliber roster. And they're missing a quarterback and not sure if Teddy's the one. I don't think he is. But obviously, it's all in the future. So. Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow he is going to play this week we will finally see Joe Burrow for the first time since he went down with an ACL tear last season Um, limited snaps probably just one drive and then be done with it so but it's good it's good that we're finally going to see Joe Joe on the field again how come he hasn't played all preseason though? Was it was it injury related or they just didn't want to play him? Uh he was probably still working back, I would say. Because it's not like he tore it in the beginning of the year. He tore it in the Week. last quarter of the like, year. Yeah. Or or last or third third quarter of the year. I think it was like week twelve. Yeah. Uh, or something like that. So Yeah, it's kind of funny, though, because, you know, Saquon got hurt, like, week three, and he's still not, he still didn't play in the preseason. Now, obviously, running back, quarterback, different positions, but I, I just find that funny that Saquon is yeah. hasn't played and, and Burrow is when he got hurt later than Saquon did. Yeah, but Saquon's also been... Uh injured multiple times in the last few years too so it might take his process a little longer right and uh they might i mean because he came back inhumanely fast from the one injury so i don't know if that really uh i don't know if that had a factor in him getting re-injured or whatever but uh i definitely think that they're taking their time with take one this time yes I I agree. Speaking of the Giants, though, uh, corner Adoree Jackson, he has a low ankle sprain, luckily for him, um, that it's a low ankle and not high. So he's questionable. I believe he's week to week is what he is right now. But uh, they said that he could still be ready by week one, um, which, you know, the Giants need all the secondary health that they can get, so. Uh. Going across town, your Jets, Chris. Another pass rusher lost. DN Vinnie Curry placed on IR. He has a blood disorder um, that he was diagnosed with um, it was 
he he had to get his spleen taken out. And I guess that's how and then he was on blood thinners. He has to be on blood thinners cuz while he was getting his spleen taken out, he yeah. got a blood clot. So now he's on blood thinners to get the blood clot taken care of and it's going to be 6 to 9 months on blood thinners. Obviously the risk, the risk of someone that is on blood thinners, hard contact to someone on those uh, pills, internal bleeding is it becomes a, a major risk. So, yeah. I mean, obviously something like that you can't see coming, uh, but that's just. I mean, I don't think he was going to have that big of an impact on the Jets anyway. He was going to be a situational pass rusher or whatever, but just the fact that the Jets have lost so much on their defensive line now, it's just maybe he was going to play a bigger role than he was originally going to, but now obviously he's out. And he's an older player too. I think he's in his early 30s. So yes, I don't know if this – this might kind of end his career. Obviously, he didn't say he was retiring now, but if this situation doesn't resolve itself when it's supposed to or whatever, he might not be able to come back when he's <clears throat> when he's uh, supposed to. Yeah, that that's definitely an issue. I mean, he could literally be out done, you know, for, for good, but... He he says he's he's looking forward to getting back next season, um, so I, I think that he should be fine and and that he he will be back, um, whether that's with the Jets or or someone else. Yeah, I mean it was only a one year contract with him, so I don't know if the Jets saw enough that they liked, they might re-sign him, but I don't know. Again, he's older, right? I think he's definitely more suited for the situational role. So I don't know if the Jets are going to look for that or if he would rather go to a contending team that needs just that situational piece. The Packers, they placed wide receiver Devin Funches on IR. He is done for the year. They actually waived him from um, IR with an injury settlement. So, Funches now will be out three straight seasons. Hurt in 2019, opted out last year, hurt again, 2021. I I was surprised because I didn't even hear about him getting injured until they said he, he got put on IR. And I was like, "What? What happened?" To f- I didn't even know he was injured. Like, <laughs> and I really thought yeah, I, that he was going to help this year. I, I really did. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea either. Um, but I mean, I don't know if they saw this coming, or like, I don't know how long he's been injured or whatever. Uh, like, I don't know if the uh, Randall Cobb trade had anything to do with it. I don't think so. I think that was more for Rodgers than anything. But that Randall Cobb trade, though, is looking a lot better than it 
originally was because now they actually need a guy like Randall Cobb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Also, uh, getting waived from IR this week, Eagles waived running back Carrion Johnson from the IR with an injury settlement. Um, that one, you know, it's it's kind of the same thing. It's giving a, a player a chance to latch on with the team um, whenever they are eventually healthy, so I don't really have an issue with that. I didn't think Carrion was going to make the roster even if he was healthy, so I have. Yeah, and that kind of, uh, I know all offseason we were saying how the running back room for the Eagles was crowded anyway, so that kind of resolved itself with that injury for carry-on. Right. Yeah. And now the Eagles didn't have to make a decision. Okay. The Seahawks, they're going to induct two guys into their ring of honor this season former quarterback matt hasselback he will get inducted in uh october 25th and then head coach mike holmgren uh on the 31st of october now trying to see who they play uh, the night Hasselback gets inducted. That's a Monday night football game against the Saints. Um, and then the 31st for Holmgren will be um, a afternoon 4.05 kickoff against the Jags. Those are some – I mean, I don't know if the dates have any significance, but I would have thought that they would have rather done it against, like, a division rival or something. Or uh, – I mean, I was kind of really hoping that you were going to say that the night that they are uh, inducting Hasselback was going to be against the Packers <laughs> because that was the team that he had the famous call in the playoffs against. So, Well, the Packers is the next week after Holmgren, the, the, the 14th, but that one's in Green Bay, though. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the home games that they had available for the inductions – uh, the Titans, Rams, Saints, Jags, Cardinals, Niners, Bears, and Lions. So yeah, like I like I said, I think that um, I think it would have been probably better to do like one of the division rival games, like against the Rams or something, because the like. Those are the kind of games I'm just thinking from like a management perspective, like a team management. Those are the kind of games where you want the fans to be there. Not that you don't want fans in other games, but like the division games are the ones that matter. So you want the most noise on those kind of nights. So I feel like things like that would be uh, perfect to attract those kind of fans. Now, obviously, they might have other like promotional nights or whatever for those games, but still yeah i think the biggest issue also was that there's only two instances in the seahawks schedule that they have back-to-back home games um and that 
the only other time that happens this season for them is the Bears and Lions. But the the thing with that is that that's December 26th and January 2nd. So that is definitely not – I mean, those are, yeah. that's definitely not a good two-week span the day after Christmas, the day after New Year's. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think they, they put that probably – in the correct spot, especially because it's it's mid season too. It's um, pretty good halfway point thing to do. The Titans they signed free agent rookie uh, running back Javion Hawkins. Probably won't make the roster, just a depth signing. But um, I thought it was relevant. I I I thought he was pretty decent coming out of Louisville this year. Went undrafted, but um, was with the Falcons as an undrafted signee and uh, now latched is on with the Titans. Staying with the Titans, uh, they they placed quarterback Ryan Tannehill and eight other players on the COVID list. They joined head coach Mike Vrabel on there. Um, so, yeah, COVID, big-time COVID issues in Tennessee right now. Especially no head coach, no quarterback. I don't. Yeah. They didn't list the other eight players, but I'm sure you can find it if you look hard enough. Yeah, I mean, uh, luckily this is not regular season yet, so everybody should be back by the uh, by the first game. But I mean, we we saw it last year how it affected some games or whatever, but. This year, obviously, they said that they weren't going to. <clears throat> I believe they said they weren't going to like reschedule games or whatever because of it, right? So uh, it'll be interesting to see what or if any teams have a big outbreak. I mean, I know the Titans were a team even last year. They had a big outbreak going on through their team. So here we are again with them. I don't know if they. I don't know what's going on in Tennessee. I don't know if it's that they don't have strict enough uh, policies within a team facility or something, but something's obviously not right there in Tennessee. Yeah, I think the biggest issue is vaxxed versus unvaxxed, and that is a conversation we will not get into. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, also in division – COVID issues, uh, the Colts, they placed guard Quentin Nelson and left tackle Eric Fisher on the COVID list. So, like you said, though, thank God it's not regular season because regardless, whoever's at quarterback, you know, <laughs> they would be in some trouble without those two guys, specifically Quentin uh-huh. Nelson. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure... Uh... Carson Wentz is happy that this is happening now and not in the regular season. Yeah, for sure. And just to let everyone know, um, the Jets-Eagles game is being delayed right now, um, is going to be delayed. I don't know if that flash outside was lightning um, or not. There was a flash outside my window, though, so I don't mm. Not sure what happened. I mean, 
it must be raining like right over the stadium or something because I'm in Jersey right now. Like I said, I'm not too far from the stadium right now, and it's sunny and like I don't see rain anywhere. I'm looking all around the sky. I don't see any sort of rain cloud or anything anywhere. So I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) That's that's good. That's good. Um. The Cowboys, they made some cap room. Uh, they converted $8.6 million of running back Ezekiel Elliott's $9.6 million base salary into a signing bonus. That helped them create $6.88 million in cap space, just um, you know, trying to get some room to maneuver as, as cuts happen. You know, the, guys that, the guys that you have signed as undrafted free agents or straight free agents sometimes those guys are in demand so you give them signing bonuses those signing bonuses are guaranteed that cuts into your cap space leaves you with a little bit of dead cap per guy that you cut that had a signing bonus so that's how um, cuts usually work against against the cap every year you're always going to lose a little bit of cap space when you cut down. And this helps the Cowboys do that. So, a couple things left here. The Bills, they activated wide receivers Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis and defensive tackles Vernon Butler and Starlo Tulele off of the COVID list, like we said. Cole Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie for the Bills, both um, were fined for COVID violations. All four of these guys, though, Beasley, Davis, Butler, and Lotulale, um, they had all been on the list because of being close contacts with a, an athletic trainer that tested positive. So, yeah. And last thing here, the Niners wide receiver uh, slash kick returner, Richie James, he's going to have knee surgery and be out about six weeks, so they're going to have to find a new kick returner there in San Fran. All right, let's get to the SEC preview. That's all for NFL news, by the way. SEC preview here. We have the SEC East, the SEC West. And I'm going with the dogs, baby. The dogs to win it all, actually. Um, sorry, I just ruined my my national championship pick that we're going to pick on next Friday's show. But, yeah, Georgia. To win the SEC, uh, JT Daniels is going to be fantastic. He looked great in his five games at the or four games at the end of the year, three regular season, one in the bowl game, uh, beating Cincinnati. Their defense is going to reload. They lost a lot of guys to the NFL, but they always do every year. The issue is going to be wide receiver health. Pickens out for the year. Uh, the for the majority of the year. He could be back if they make a playoff run, potentially, um, or for a bowl game. Uh, they also 
have had Demetrius Robertson. Uh, he's been hurt as well. But I love the tight ends. <clears throat> um, Darnell Washington is massive. He's 6'8". I, I'm not sure what has has happened with Eric Gilbert at the tight end position because he was five-star transfer from LSU. But apparently he's not with a team anymore, so I'm not sure what went on there. Zamir White returns in the backfield, though, uh, along with James Cook at the running back position. They're always loaded there, so I think the dogs got it, especially in the East, and they're going to at least make the SEC championship game this year. Yeah, I mean, normally I'd call you a homer in this situation, but, no, I agree with you. I think that Georgia has a uh, a solid chance. I agree with you. I think they win the SEC, whatever, but I also, like you said, I think they have a solid chance at at the very least, being in the national championship. I don't know about winning it, but yes, I think that they can make it to the national championship. Um, it's funny because I was watching uh, one of the sports channels earlier today. I don't even remember which one. But there was a FanDuel commercial ca- that came on, and it was saying all the uh, odds for each of these college teams to win the national championship or whatever. <laughs> and they had Georgia at two to one, yeah, as the favorite. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously Georgia, obviously Georgia is a solid pick for the national championship. Um, as for like the other teams though on that side of the uh, conference, I mean, I I don't know if I necessarily agree with Florida too. I don't know off the top of my head who's replacing Kyle Trask, but I do know that losing Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts is a big deal no matter who's replacing them. So, I mean, I don't know. Again, I've in the past I've said I'm a big believer in the fact that college is more of a system than the players themselves, but <clears throat> Kyle Trask, and Kyle uh, Pitts are both pretty special in their own ways. So they're going to be hard to replace regardless of system. Yeah, I, I – the thing is with Florida, Emory Jones comes in at the quarterback position to replace Kyle Trask. Kyle Pitts is hard to replace, I agree, along with Kadarius Toney. But – Yes, him too. Like I said – I'm not a big believer in Emory Jones, but I just don't think anyone else in the in the East can can compete with Florida. I mean, I yeah. think it's going to be close with Missouri. I think Missouri is definitely the next team um, that could compete possibly with Florida, just because um, they have Connor Bazelak back at the quarterback position. The, the issue with them is that they lost Larry Roundtree to the draft, and I'm not really sold on their wide receivers. But, you know, Florida, they do return some guys. To, you know, Damian Pierce, I believe, is back. Malik Davis. If they don't return those guys, then Florida could be really bad uh, with at the, at the running back. Yeah. 
running back position. And, I mean, actually, they probably lost a lot of wide receivers, too, it looks like. Jacob Copeland, probably the returning Justin Shorter as well at the wide receiver position. So maybe Florida's – I don't – Florida probably is going to be ranked way too high at 13 right now. Um, and I was actually hesitant to, to put Tennessee this high because of all the transfers, and I really shouldn't have put them this high. Mark – Luckily, yeah. luckily, Mark's not on here. He would he would probably rail me for putting Tennessee this high. Um, Tennessee actually could probably be second to last in the East this year, really. I mean, they just lost so much to transfers with the whole scandal that they had. Um, but they do have a young quarterback, Harrison Bailey, coming back. Their running backs are all gone. Transfers. Yeah. Jabari Small is the leading rusher from last season. They returned Velas Jones, Jalen Hyatt. So I'm not sure, but I just think that the other three teams don't have much. Yeah. In my mind, anyways. I mean, I. No, I agree with you. I mean, the bottom four teams there, I. If you showed me any combination of those four teams, I would be like, okay, like the the four of those teams, I think are just that bad. I mean, maybe the Gamecocks being the number four team overall in that on that side, but five, five. yeah. Well, no, but I'm saying, I I would maybe consider oh, putting yeah. them up to four, but other than that, though, I mean. Those other teams, there, they have no shot at being in the top three, I don't think. I will say, though, for Carolina, I really enjoy watching their running back. Kevin Harris, very interesting player there. And, jeez, are you kidding me? Kentucky doesn't even have their quarterback <laughs> returning. I mean, the man... The man transferred to to New Mexico. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, that that's intriguing. I didn't know that 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 Terry Wilson transferred to New Mexico. I don't, I have no idea why he would do that. But they do return. Cavassier Smoke, who is one of the faster, quicker running backs. That's probably the guy I would look to for Kentucky, I, I think, anyways. Um, I do like their other running back, too, Asim Rose Jr., but it doesn't say what class he's in. I think he actually might be done. Maybe that's how you can tell if guys aren't didn't return as seniors. That it just doesn't show a class. Because there's been a couple guys where it, it doesn't show a class for. And uh, maybe they just decided not to return. But there's a bunch of guys that, you know, I, I, I'm i not sure that returned because it says senior. And I don't have a big, massive list of every senior that took the sixth year, the fifth or sixth year, whichever one, you know, redshirt seniors taking a sixth. Yeah. Right true seniors taking a fifth so i i have no clue 
But yeah, Georgia on the on the East, and I didn't even look at Vanderbilt's roster because they <laughs> always suck. But yeah, for the sake of looking at each each roster here, um, or who the the stats leaders from last year. By the way, people, that's how I am pretty much looking at these teams, uh, just based off who they had from last season and who's returning. So, yeah, I have no clue who any of these people are for Vanderbilt. Let's move on. <laughs> Bama, clear-cut. Clear-cut, Bama is going to win the SEC West. And I think – I don't think many of the other teams in the SEC West got better this year. Um, if anything, I think the division got easier for Bama because of who A&M lost. I think A&M's the clear-cut – number two because of Jimbo Fisher and what he's built. Uh, they do have a new quarterback, obviously, Kellen Mond, now with the Vikings. But I think A&M's defense is really what's going to get them through, and plus they have um, Spiller still. Um, what's his face? What's his first name? Is that Isaiah? Or is there a Isaiah Spiller. I just thought, yeah. like, I don't know why. I thought Isaiah was CJ. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it just sounded too good that I was like, is it Isaiah, though? <laughs> um, but, yeah, Isaiah Spiller returns. Back to back to Bama, though, before we get to A&M. So they have a new quarterback as well. You know, Bryce Young takes over for Mac Jones. The, the highly touted and, and QB in waiting – for two seasons was Bryce Young as a former five-star recruit. Making about a million dollars this year. <laughs> In nil deals, supposedly, anyways. Najee Harris is gone. Bijan Robinson, or not, not Bijan Robinson, he's at Texas. I just saw B. Robinson, and I was like, I didn't know Bijan transferred from Bama to Texas. Brian Robinson, though, returns, I believe, as well as Jace McClellan at the running back position. They'll be stacked there. Wide receiver replacing Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. That is John Mechie. Uh, Also, Jaleel Billingsley as well at the tight end position. They have another guy at the wideout position, Slade Bolden. Um so, yeah, they are still stacked. Xavier Williams gone, I believe. So, yeah, Bama's still stacked. <laughs> Bama, uh, A&M, I was kind of surprised they were listed as number six in the preseason, um, considering the loss of Kellen Mond. And I, uh, I can't remember if they listed him as the starter or not. The only other quarterback that threw a pass last year, Haynes King. I saw a blurb on the ESPN ticker when I was watching something on there, and I can't recall if he was the guy that they that Jimbo named as a starter or not. So I don't I'm not sure. But I think it is. Running backs are fantastic. Like we said, Isaiah Spiller returns. They also have Devon Achain. Returning there, Achilles, uh, Anaya Smith 
is a do-it-all wide receiver, and then Jalen Weidermeyer is one of the top tight ends in the country. So they're going to be stacked on offense. <laughs> it's just, yeah. can the quarterback get the playmakers the ball? That's what we got to figure out. Because if we can, yeah. like I said, I think their defense is pretty good, and they can make a run at Bama. Mm-hmm. Especially if Bryce Young is not panning out. Yeah, but, I mean, Alabama is literally the epitome of, like, a system, like, a system in college. Like, no matter what players are wearing the Alabama uniform, they seem to always be in the top of the entire college ranks. Uh and I mean, a large part of that obviously is the recruiting of the five-star players. Do they seem to annually also get the most high-ranked players? But uh, I mean, I every year I feel like I'm like, okay, this is the year Alabama is going to be really bad. It's <laughs> the year that Nick Saban's going to crumble, and then they come out and win another championship. So. Never will I be on the Alabama bandwagon. Like, don't like Alabama. I don't like Nick Saban. But I've learned to not go against them anymore because just like Belichick and the Patriots, they will always be there. Um, So, yeah, they're the clear-cut number one. But I feel like this division is a lot tougher than the other one. I mean, obviously, no, Alabama's number one, whatever. But I feel like the rest of the teams in this division are a lot better than the ones on the other side of that, uh, on that page right there. I mean, LSU, obviously, they won the championship two years ago. They had that amazing season two years ago. And obviously, they lost so many players from that team. But I don't know. I still think LSU has a chance even with all the off-field stuff going on with uh, with their coach and all that, too. Um, but still, I don't know. A&M, I'm not, I'm not ready to crown them as the number two yet, though, because I don't really know much about the uh, their quarterback coming in and all that. So once I see them play, maybe I'll be ready to crown them number two, but yeah, I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah, I, I agree with the quarterback. I understand. that's, And I think a lot of people are probably surprised at the uh, the number three play. Because, you know, I, I am a believer now in, um, in Ole Miss. I'm on the Ole Miss train. Matt Corral has been talked up and talked up all over this offseason so far. And I'm with it, man. I I am all in on, on Matt Corral, and uh, they have Jerry and Ely in the backfield, Dontario um, Drummond at the wide receiver position. So I like it. I, I think... Think they got a chance, and 
if they if they can play defense, I mean, they could get the number two spot. And the thing is, is we already know Matt Corral. He didn't beat Bama last year, but he came very close, and he lit Bama up though. Uh, I don't remember the exact how many points they scored or or how many yards he threw for, but I do remember that he had himself quite a game against Alabama last year, and they almost pulled off pulled it off. Um, so, but yeah, Matt Corral, Jerry and Ely. Ontario Drummond. Ole Miss Rebels should be making some some hay this year. Yeah. And like I said, I think a lot of people are surprised that I have Ole Miss third over a ranked LSU. LSU, I believe, ranked number 16 right now. If I am correct. Yes, number 16 is LSU. And the reasoning is because I like the quarterback. I like Max Johnson. People are even saying that Max Johnson is a sleeper for Heisman this year. I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) I'm just not sold on the running backs particularly. Um, And they they lost even more at the wide receiver position this offseason. Uh, Racy McMath is in the NFL. Uh, I they do have one guy though, Kayshawn Booty uh, or Bodie. I'm not sure how you say it. It's B O U T T E. Um, Bodie or Booty? Not. Sure. I think it's Bodie. I I don't know, but yeah, I am not sold on the position players. I think the defense is going to carry them. This year, while Max Johnson matures with the young playmakers that they have on offense, so but I like Max Johnson, but I like the set of playmakers that Ole Miss has better, and that's why Ole Miss is three. People are also probably surprised that Auburn is number five in its own division. Now they have Bo Nix. Bo Nix has been the savior of Auburn, right? They have uh, Tank Bigsby at the running back position. They have, um, well, they lost a bunch of receivers, so that's probably an issue. They lost their top three receiving leaders from last year, and the <laughs> the guy, the the only guy that's listed that's coming back. Granted, he's listed as a senior on ESPN, so I don't know. He only had nine receptions for 97 yards last year. That's their leading... And he's a tight end. That's their leading (laughs) receiver. So, yeah. A lot of new guys to throw to for Bo Nix. The running backs, that's the thing. Auburn should ground and pound this year. They really don't have a choice. Um, So, Bo Nix tank Bigsby in that aspect. If they can control the game and their defense plays well... I wouldn't have an issue of them finishing third uh, or even fourth above LSU. The West is by far the best division, um, mm. just depth-wise, because I think that the t- two through four really have has a chance of 
anyone can be any of those slots. So I wouldn't be surprised. But that is not what I wanted, Tyler Naquin. Freaking Reds, dude. I do not need scoring for the Reds right now. I need them to not score. That is the whole point of betting the under. Uh, Mississippi State, I'm not sure about their guys because K.J. Costello is gone. Will Rogers takes over at quarterback there. Uh, but they they had the Pirate as the coach, so you never know. He's probably going to upset some people that they don't think. Uh, and then Arkansas, I have no clue who's playing quarterback because Felipe Franks is now with the Falcons. I guess Traylon Smith returns as the top running back. The guy I like, though, is Traylon Burks, wide receiver for Arkansas. I think he's the best player they have on offense. But, yeah, Arkansas is at the bottom. So. Yep. In terms of amount of bowl teams, uh, let's see. I'm going to go... Uh, Go ten. Hmm. Ten out of fourteen. Who are the four that don't make it? Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Arkansas. The bottom. I don't know. I in each, in each division. I. Uh, I think that there might be one less than that. I think that there would be probably nine. I I think that either Tennessee or South Carolina doesn't make it. I can see that. I I could definitely see that. I mean, wouldn't be surprised. And uh, before we get to the Sun Belt, just to update people who are trying to watch the Jets Eagles game, uh, they announced that it's going to be. It got moved back a half an hour, so kickoff eight o'clock Eastern for everyone there. Seven o'clock my time. Great. I get to watch the Steelers game for a half hour before that. Because <laughs> uh, I, I got to stream both of them because I, neither are on national TV tonight. So, of course, I don't know how I'm going to do that. But <laughs> uh, all right, Sun Belt. Here we go. This is what we love to see. Sun Belt. Sun Belt is uh, an intriguing conference. A lot of good players in Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Grayson McCall will lead the Chanticleers to another Sun Belt Championship. And, and, I will caution Coastal Carolina will be in position. I'm not saying they will get it, but they will be close. They will stay close enough this year. To be in contention to get the at-large bid in the New Year's Six this year. Mm-hmm. Now, Cincinnati is more than likely going to get it. But I'm just saying, I, I think Coastal, I haven't looked at their schedule, but I highly believe Coastal can go undefeated. There's, 
two, probably only two games that I think they're going to struggle with. Two away games. Because I think they're going to win every home game. That is um, at Appalachian State and at Georgia Southern. The number two and number three in their own division. Mm-hmm. Um, the East, Sunbelt East. But, and the thing with, with Coastal is they, they lost some guys. Not going to say they didn't. Um, C.J. Marable now with the Bears. So they got to replace him at the running back position. But Reese White, uh, he ran for 478 yards last year, as well as Shamari Jones, listed as a senior. So not sure about him, but he ran for 398. Um, they do return the highly likely receiving scenario, the receivers, I believe, anyways. Javon Hiley, the wide receiver, listed as a senior. Uh, Isaiah Likely also listed as a senior at tight end. I believe they returned those guys. I think they wanted to run it back again um, because I think otherwise those two would be on NFL rosters right now if they weren't um, back with the shots. So, And they're going to return a lot of guys on the Black Swarm defense. So... Coastal is your 2021 Sun Belt champions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Um, I think they are the clear Eastern Sun Belt cha- or Eastern Sun Belt uh, yeah champions and Sun Belt champions overall too. But uh, yeah, I I mean I I don't know the schedule off the top of my head either. I don't have it in front of me, but. What do you want to know? I got it. Well, I'm just uh, – what's their other, like, away games? I think that they're going to go undefeated at home no matter what as well. They – their other away games, uh, at Buffalo, at Arkansas State, and at South Alabama. Yeah, so – I mean, I don't know what to think about Buffalo this year because obviously they lost a couple big pieces too. But I think that might be the only other one that they would possibly struggle in because it is uh, relatively far away, even though it is still in the same time zone, I think. Mm-hmm. But but it, I think that might be their furthest game that they have to go to. Uh, and, yeah, probably. And, I mean, teams always seem to struggle when it comes to traveling long distance. So, I mean, I don't know. But, again, I don't know how how good Buffalo is actually going to be this year with their departures. The one I'm thinking of mainly is Jared Patterson. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, uh, but, yeah, I think Coastal has a clear path to be the number one Sunbelt team this year. Yeah, and they're, they only play one Power 5 school just like they did last year, I believe, anyways. I think they only played one because uh, BYU is independent. So uh, they play Kansas again. This time it's that's, this time it's at Coastal, though. Last year they played at Kansas um, and beat them. Uh, so I yeah. have no qualms that they're going to beat Coastal or that they're going to beat Kansas in at Coastal Carolina in Myrtle Beach. Um so, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to be any issue. The at Arkansas State, at South Alabama, 
I I don't think. Their biggest issue is going to be the, the games in their own division. App State, Georgia Southern, Georgia State. All three of those teams, I think, are going to be very good. Um, the only issue that I see with Appalachian State and the reasoning why I could see Georgia Southern finish second in the East is because App State is replacing their long-time, and I'm talking long-time, quarterback. Uh, starter for the last three seasons, I believe, at least, maybe even four. Uh, no, last three seasons, yes, starter. Zach Thomas, he uh, he left Appalachian State this year, um, finally. So they only had two other guys that – one other quarterback, two, one receiver threw three times. But there's only one other quarterback that threw a ball last year. He's listed as a senior this year, Jacob Westman. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. H-U-E-S-M-A-N. So that's their biggest issue because they're returning their running backs. Cameron Peoples um, and Dietrich Harrington both back. The wide receivers also. Uh, Thomas Hennigan and uh, Malik Williams both back as well. They're going to be a well-oiled machine, and it, it sets up a, a really good game against Coastal, I think. Mm-hmm. Georgia Southern, now they return their uh, – actually, no, they don't. Shy Wirtz transferred to Louisville. So does this set up for – what's this guy's first name? Justin Tomlin, I believe, would take uh, – the quarterback position back. So actually, that changes things uh, in my mind. Actually, Georgia State might finish ahead of Georgia Southern. Now, Georgia Southern is still defensively very good. <clears throat> um, oh, their leading receiver also left for East Tennessee State. They do return tight end Caleb Hood. Yeah, I might have got it wrong, y'all. I was trying to rush through and I didn't look at uh, look at uh, the, these guys until during the show. So actually, yeah, I think Georgia State probably finishes above above Georgia Southern and pushing App State for the uh, for the third or the second spot. Really, I mean, Quad Brown returns for Georgia State at quarterback. Um, they also have Dustin Coates at running back. I think he's a beast. Pinkney, Sam Pinkney returns at wide receiver to go along with Cornelius McCoy. So, yeah, I think Georgia State most definitely finishes third um, and possibly even second if, if App State's new quarterback struggles. Mm-hmm. And then Troy. I feel bad for Troy. Last year, they, they upset some people, though. I mean, they did. Gunnar Watson returns at quarterback. Kamani Vidal at running back. And then they at wide receiver. Oh, no. Uh, their leading receiver last year transferred to Texas Tech. So uh, Reggie Todd returns. 
as the leading receiver from last year. Listed as a senior again, but I think we figured out that if they're listed as a senior, they're still on the roster. If there's no classification, they're either off the team or they graduated and did not take the extra year. I think so, anyways. As far as the Sunbelt West, um, I like the Raging Cajuns. They are uh, ranked just like Coastal. They're number 23, right? One below Coastal. Um, Levi Lewis returns at quarterback. Love him. He's he's a beast. Uh, they did lose Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regis, though, to the NFL. Their third leading rusher last year was Chris Smith. So he should be taking the reins there. Um, as well as, I mean, Levi Lewis is going to give you production on the ground as well as, as a dual threat. So that'll help. Uh, Kyron Lacey, leading receiver coming back as well as Jalen Williams and Peter LeBlanc. So, really like Louisiana. Um, their defense is always really good as well. So Now, <laughs> the next four, I was very unsure about. <laughs> this is the opposite of the SEC. The SEC West is really good. The Sunbelt East is really good. Sunbelt West is not that great below Louisiana. Mm. So I went with South Alabama. Originally, I had Arkansas State above South Alabama. But when I look at when I look at USA here, Desmond Trotter returns at quarterback. Really like him there. Carlos Davis uh, left, but um, Terion Avery returns at running back. And then the guy I really love, Jalen Tolbert, the wide receiver, he is a beast. Uh, they did lose Kawan Baker to the NFL, current uh, seventh-round pick for the Saints this year. So, But, yeah, Jalen Tol- the, the the trotter to, to Tolbert – connection I think is going to be the one to watch there for uh, the Panthers I believe they are the South Alabama Panthers I think so I think that's or no the Jaguars they're the Jags yes South Alabama Jaguars that's right as far as the Red Wolves of Arkansas State now I don't think they're going to have a two quarterback system like they did last year because Logan Bonner transferred to Utah State. So that leaves Lane Hatcher as the guy that threw the most passes. Um, 2,000 yards through the air last year. Their leading rusher is not coming back. He's gone. So Lincoln uh, Perret is going to pick up the slack there. Jonathan Adams, the guy I, I loved last year, uh, he is in the league now, so it falls to Dahu Green. And, uh, oh, Brandon Bowling also went to Utah State. So Dahu Green, really the guy. Uh, they do have Corey Rucker as well. But, yeah, I think Dahu Green is going to be the guy there. I think Arkansas State and South Alabama are, are interchangeable. Um, I think both could be good and, and take the second spot so 
not sure about that. And then Texas State. Now, Texas State was interesting. Um, they have a couple guys that returned that threw a bunch last year. Brady McBride and Tyler Vitt both return at quarterback. So we'll have to see who actually is throwing the ball. Uh, Calvin Hill as the running back. He is back this year. And the receivers are all back as well. Marcel Barbie uh, and Jeremiah Hadle actually is not back. He's with the Rams. But, yeah, Barbie at, at wide receiver, like him. Again, I think the West is weird, and I I wouldn't be surprised if Texas State is third or second. I, I think third probably be their, their ceiling. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, dude. I mean, Texas State could be decent, anyways. Not not bowl decent, but decent enough for what they have. And then UL Monroe. I have no idea who most of their people are. Um, they do return quarterback uh, Colby Sweets, so or, or Col- Colby Suits. So that's that. The other guys, I don't really know what the skill position is. So <laughs> yeah. UL Monroe is by far the worst team, I think, on this whole graphic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, Raging Cajuns are the clear number one, but I don't really necessarily think that they're a good team. I think it's just a factor of the fact that they're in the Sun Belt West, which is quite possibly one of the worst divisions in all of college football because these teams are just that bad. I, I haven't been a big Raging Cajuns uh, believer. Again, I think it's mainly just because of the division they're in. They're just the best team in this bad division. The like, I don't know if you can really compare it, but I feel like this division is almost like the NFC uh, East in the NFL. I think the teams are that bad. Dude, um, but 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 Louisiana, um, they upset Iowa State last year. I mean, but. <laughs> But one upset, I mean, is whatever. But these teams are just, I don't believe in them at all. And just a side note, too, we were talking about this division specifically before the show because this is the last uh, thing you were putting together. And I said I don't believe in Southern Alabama, but that wasn't the team I thought. Like, for some reason, when you said Southern Alabama, I thought of – Southeastern Louisiana, the the team with the big golden line <laughs> as their mascot. See that team, yeah, that team I don't believe in. And not that I believe in South Alabama either, but yeah, for some reason I thought of Southeastern Louisiana when you said Southern Alabama before. <clears throat> but yeah, the West is really bad, especially compared to the Sun Belt East there. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting hyped uh, for college football tomorrow. Also getting hyped to watch Sam Darnold play a whole half tonight against the Steelers. Um, so that's going to be something to watch. I'm very interested to watch that game. It's starting already, so we got to be quick to get off here so I can actually watch it before the Eagles come on. Um, yep. But anyways, uh, bowl teams for Sun Belt, I think five. Just five, um, possibly six, 
But yeah, the top four in the East, I think, all make bowls. Um, Coastal, App State, Georgia Southern, Georgia State. And then Louisiana makes a bowl. And like I said, the sixth one, I think, USA or Arkansas State uh, could possibly sneak in there. Yeah, I think that there's three locks for the bowls. It's the two division winners and then Appalachian State. I think those are the three locks. The two Georgia teams, I think, will, but there's also, I think, a chance that they don't make it to the Bulls either. But, uh, but yeah, I, I could definitely see those five teams making it. I don't know about anybody else. All right. All right. Uh, actually, <laughs> I forgot. We can't really go quickly because we got to do these game previews uh, for this weekend. So... Tomorrow, I don't have slides for them because I wasn't, I didn't have time to do that. <laughs> but uh, college football tomorrow, here we go. Week zero, we got four games. Um, actually, five games. I thought it was four. It's actually five. But, anyways, Nebraska, seven point favorite at Illinois. Over under is 55, one o'clock on Fox. And I, Mark and I were joking about this, but I wouldn't be shocked. If Illinois beats Nebraska, I think Scott Frost has to be fired on the spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, it's just, Illinois is not that good. Um, and I think Nebraska rightly is favored. Seven points is decent. I didn't put anything in for these games, uh, betting-wise, yet. Maybe I will tomorrow morning. Um, but, actually, no, I did. I, I included, or no, that's, never mind, that's uh, for week one next weekend. So I, I have that that in for, for next weekend. But, yeah, I think Illinois, or, or I think Nebraska wins. Illinois covers, though. Um, and then under 55 I don't think either team is that great. Both teams should score in the 20s, low 20s. That gets you under 55. Yeah. All right, uh, next game, UConn at Fresno State. This is the biggest spread of the weekend. Fresno State favored by 27 and a half. <laughs> Uh, Over-under is 63, 2 p.m. on CBS Sportsnet. Yeah, there's absolutely no way uh, Fresno State's going to roll them. I don't know about 27-and-a-half. They probably will cover that, but I would not suggest um, betting the spread in this one. I mean, the number that sticks out more to me is the 63-and-a-half, you said, right? Uh, 63 flat. Oh, so, well... Still, if one team is supposed to be that bad, I mean, I know there's been instances where teams have scored like 70 on their own. I don't know if this is going to be one of those instances, though. But this, usually you need a little bit of help from both teams. I don't know if UConn can really score enough to hit that 63. Yeah, I think that one will be close. Um I could see Fresno putting up 49, 
yeah. I don't know. I mean, that means you need two touchdowns from UConn. Can they do that? I don't know. So I, uh, I definitely, like I said, cautioning, do not bet 27.5 uh, for Fresno. Granted, I'll probably be wrong on that aspect. <laughs> but I would take the safe route and not bet anything on that game. So. Mm-hmm. Next one, Hawaii at UCLA. UCLA favored by 17.5. Over-under is 68. This one is 3.30 Eastern on ESPN. Now, this game I love for betting, dude. The most interesting nugget I have heard all day when just looking at the game preview on ESPN. Chip Kelly has never won a non-conference game at UCLA. Never. Never beaten anyone out of conference. And I'm kind of surprised. And granted, it's it's Hawaii coming, so it's it's decently long way it's you know the closest they can come uh when coming to the continental united states mm-hmm. and i'm telling you dude mark me down for plus 17 and a half for the rainbow warriors sprinkle a little bit on hawaii money line i think Shevin cordero uh can get it done I, and i am not a big believer in ucla like we said with the pac-12 preview Dorian Thompson Robinson is really the guy, and I'm not very high on him at the quarterback position. But I am, like I said, a, a, about Chevin Cordero uh, for the the Rainbow Warriors there. So I'm telling you, take plus 17.5 for Hawaii and then sprinkle a little bit on Hawaii money line. Yeah, I like that. Not sure about the over-under. I think both teams could score a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if it's high scoring, so I'm not touching that. Even though 60, what is the, 68. What is it again? Yeah, yeah no, I don't know. I don't like pretty doing high. those high over-unders. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty high, so you would expect probably under, but like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a high-scoring affair, uh, especially because Chip Kelly is on the other side. Um, next one for college, UTEP um, at New Mexico State. UTEP favored by 10 over-under is 59, 9.30 p.m., um, not listed for a network. I like the minus 10, really. Um, New Mexico State is worse than UConn. I'm kind of surprised UTEP isn't favored <laughs> by more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like the, the, the minors in this one. And... I don't think I have have much else to say about that game. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's one of the easier picks there. Uh, but what was the uh, over under for that? Fifty nine. That one's doable. I, I if I was to pick any of these over unders, I mean, if I was to pick the over on any of these games so far, I might go with this one. Yeah, like I said, I'm probably taking uh, the minus 10 for the minors in that one. 
Last game for tomorrow on the college docket, Southern Utah at San Jose State. San Jose State, 24-point favorites. That over-under is 57. That is 10 p.m. Eastern CBS Sports. Yeah, this one should be a blowout, just like the Fresno State game. This one's even worse because Southern Utah is an FCS team. Um, so yeah, I I would I would not be surprised if this one gets out of hand rather quickly for San Jose State. Um, FBS versus FCS, and and Southern Utah is not a quality FCS team. Um, but yeah, and there are two FCS games this weekend as well. We're not going to mention those really because I don't think they're that great of games. Um, unlike we will do during the NFL regular season and the, in the NCAA regular season where we will feature our FCS game of the week each week just to stick with some of the players and follow the guys that we that we uh, fell in love with this spring um, just to follow some of their, their paths. I will say, though, uh, the Cricket Miak Swack Challenge is this weekend. If you want to watch FCS, it's Alcorn State at NC Cent- North Carolina Central. Um, Alcorn favored by 15. 6 p.m. ESPN. Or 7 p.m. ESPN. 6 p.m. my time. Central. Uh, I should just start. I should just start listing the games on the on the, on the script as Central Time. <laughs> <laughs> then you guys would be like, "What? That game's at eleven a.m." I'd be like, "Yeah, pretty much." <laughs> um, all right, let's get into NFL uh, game previews. We got games going on right now. Currently, uh, Colts two and zero. They're two-point favorites at the Lions, 0-2. Currently, Colts down 7-3. to uh, Scores, Rodrigo Blankenship hit a 31-yard field goal to open it up. And then uh, Tim Boyle hit Quintez Cephas for a 15-yard touchdown. Um, end of the first quarter there in Detroit. Colts about to get the ball back. Over-under is 34 in that game. We already got 10 points, dude. I... Uh, 10 points in the first quarter. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I like And uh, that one obviously started at 7 o'clock. Second game tonight, Eagles 0-2 at the Jets 2-0. Jets favored by 5.5. I was kind of surprised about that. But granted, the Eagles have played relatively poorly in the in the preseason in their two games, especially their backups. Um, and especially last Thursday, mm-hmm. um, getting rolled 35 nothing against the Patriots. Yeah. Well, uh, apparently Zach Wilson's not playing tonight, though, so that's a big factor for the Eagles in their chances of winning. Yeah, and the line actually moved to four and a half. Uh, maybe that was why it moved down a point. Um, but, yeah, I... I still think the Jets probably cover. Um, I actually have a teaser line on the Jets tonight. I have the Jets um, Jets plus one and a half. I, I have them there. So, kind of rooting. Yeah, the, uh, 
the only two quarterbacks dressed for the Jets tonight are James Morgan and Josh Johnson. Solid. So, I'm ready for Josh so Johnson. So Zach Wilson and Mike White are not playing. I'm down for some Josh Johnson time, dude. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like I said, I, I have the Jets plus one and a half. So kind of rooting for the Jets tonight a little bit, but also looking to see uh, what the Eagles – I'm not even sure who's playing for the Eagles. Um, I know most of the starters aren't. They have a lot of guys that aren't aren't dressed, so. Yeah, I don't know. But I uh, I decided to break out my new Elijah Moore jersey tonight, so. I was wondering we'll see what how that was. goes. I, I couldn't I couldn't tell what it was. I didn't I didn't know what number. Yeah, yeah, I know because the my background kind of uh, keeps making us go away sometimes. But yeah, I got this a couple weeks ago as because I needed a new new Jets jersey because I had nobody left on the team. Yeah, and so I decided to go with Elijah Moore. But we'll see how that works out for me. I'll be in that situation when Zach Ertz gets traded next week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, anyways, over-under is 34 in the Eagles-Jets game. Uh, was supposed to start at 7.30, scheduled to kick off at 8 p.m. Eastern. Over-under 34, though, we said a lot of a lot of backups playing in this one. Probably, I would think, uh, under. Why not? It's in the rain. It's going to be sloppy. So, yeah, I think yeah. under is, is relatively safe in that one. Dang, I just got a tweet. Sam Darnold, 6 for 6. 34 yards on the opening drive so far. Woo, baby. Let's go. 6 for 6 for only 34 yards, though? Hey. That's... <laughs> we were talking about this last week. The The number of completions doesn't add up with the number of yards. Hey, that's a little bit under 4 yards per completion. I mean, exactly. 5. Um. Little, little bit over five yards per completion. You, you know that's what Sam Darnold is, though. He's not a deep ball thrower necessarily. Um, they have a lot of guys in Carolina though that are catch and run. So, mm. uh, third game tonight: Steelers three and zero at the Panthers zero and two. Like we just said, Sam Darnold six for six, thirty four yards on the opening drive so far. Um. Panthers favored by three and a half. Over under is thirty five, and that one kicked off at seven thirty. Dwayne Haskins playing tonight. Panthers starters playing for probably the first half, um, at least the offense is. So, and I know they said the the Steelers the the Panthers defense also starting defense was playing there. Wait. Uh, Darnold is now seven for eight for forty-one yards. There you go, dude. He's he's dinking and dunking his way down the field. Granted, yep. it's against the backups, but that's what you want to see. Obviously, if your starters are playing number twos, you want to see them playing very well. They should be playing mm-hmm. really, really good. So, I would expect the the Panthers to win. Cover. I have the alternate line. Uh, or the teaser. I have the, the teaser parlay. I went in with my boy uh, Troy Hermo on on Twitter, one of the best cappers on Twitter. Has stage has uh, cancer. He's had cancer for a while, so one of the best people too. Um, in that aspect, keeps fighting every day. Um, but yeah, he put out a uh, you know teaser. He is is Troy teasers that he does for the preseason so far. 
Jets plus one and a half. Uh, this is six point teaser, so add six points to uh, what the lines are. So Jets plus one and a half, Colts plus four and a half, Steelers plus ten and a half, and the Vikings plus ten and a half. Vikings, the game going on tonight that is on NFL Network. Zero uh, and two at the Chiefs, who are two and zero in the preseason. <clears throat> Chiefs are four and a half point favorites. Uh, over under is thirty nine, and that kicks off at eight o'clock NFL Network. Not sure who's playing in that one either. Um, I think Viking starters will be. Mm-hmm. But I could be wrong. I highly doubt that any of the Chiefs starters will be playing. Yeah. Um, wait, just a quick update about the Carolina game because it, it's very interesting that they did that. Uh, the Panthers had a fourth and two there on, like they're on like the twenty yard line, so that's a field goal opportunity. But they chose to go for it and they turned it over on downs. Yeah, I mean it's. If it would have been fourth and three, they don't go for it, I bet. Well, <laughs> hmm. one or two yards, you you would think that you can get it. So, But still, not a bad drive for Darnold. Seven for nine, 41 yards. Pretty decent there. As well as Chuba. Chuba Hubbard, three for 15 on the ground. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, tomorrow's NFL games here. We got Packers 0-2 at the Bills 2-0. This is the biggest spread of the preseason slate this week. Uh, Bills favored by nine and a half. <laughs> That's because of the true biscuit, really. And the of, fact that the Packers don't play anybody in the preseason. This is true. This is very true. It's most likely going to be Mitch Trubisky versus Kurt Bankert as the starting quarterbacks, I would think. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, if Trubisky plays as well as he did last year, last week, um, Bills could have a chance of covering that. So, over under is thirty seven. We saw what a uh, over under in the thirties last week for the Bills did. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that goes over. So, one p.m. NFL Network. Bills on Bills on TV twice, twice in a row in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, Cardinals Saints got canceled because of Hurricane Ida. Uh, Ravens two and zero, three and a half point favorites at the Washington Football Team. One and one there. Uh, Over under is thirty three, and that is at six p.m. tomorrow. We're taking the Ravens, dude. They haven't lost night. They haven't lost in nineteen straight preseason games, dude. They're gonna they're gonna win twenty straight. Um, and the thing about the 19 straight preseason, that hasn't been done. I believe they said it was since the Lombardi Packers. I believe that's who they said was the last team to do that. Um, so <laughs> that's ridiculous in its own right. Look at that, dude. Rodrigo's responding to the Eddie Pinero waving, dude. He's two for two tonight. Hit Just hit a 36-yarder there. So, uh... There you go. Rodrigo responds to the Detroit touchdown. 6-7 Detroit. Yeah, so Ravens, yeah, we're going with them. (laughs) 
Probably the under, too. Uh, I believe the under has hit in all three of the Ravens games. I could be wrong about the first game they had, but last week it hit against Carolina. So Bears 1-1. One and one. They are three-point favorites at the Titans, who are 2-0. and oh. Over-under is 36, 7 p.m. NFL Network. And I believe the Bears are favored because the Titans have nine players on COVID list. Plus, they're yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know who would have played in, tonight, or in the game anyway, but, uh, yeah, obviously, Ryan Tannehill, the starting quarterback for the Titans, is one of the biggest names that's not playing. Um, and Rabel. Rabel's not going to be there either. And, yeah, Rabel's not even coaching. So, yeah, I mean, again, like we said when we talked about it in the news segment, good thing this is a preseason game and not a regular season game. Um, but... Yeah, I. There's not much to say about this one because the only reason the Bears are favored, like you said, is because of all the uh, people that are out for the Titans. The. Oh, and also Justin Fields starts probably going to play a half, I would think. Bucks zero and two. They are four point favorites at the Texans. Who are two and zero? Over under is thirty six, and this one is goes kicks off at eight p.m. tomorrow. I'm kind of surprised the Bucks are favored. They haven't played anyone in the preseason, really. I mean, they did, but they haven't looked good at all. Their backups specifically have not looked very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've only scored seventeen total points between the two games. 14 in week one, three last week. So. Against the Titans that are supposed to be losing to the Bears tomorrow. So. Yeah, and they lost to the Bengals week one by five. So I actually think the Texans are going to win. I think Davis Mills is going to ball out <laughs> mm-hmm. and and make me keep him on my dynasty roster. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's going to make me cut Josh Allen. <laughs> the only uh, thing about the Texans, I'm looking at their injury reports here, and the Texans have two wide receivers that are questionable and one that's already on injured reserve. Nico Collins and Andre Roberts are both questionable, and uh, Taiwan Taylor is on the IR already. So they're having a little bit of an injury issue with the uh, wide receivers there, but I don't know. Yeah, I think uh, Kiki QT will probably play a lot in that one. Um, so he, he'll probably he'll have a chance at probably being the leading receiver, depending on who plays. Over-under is 37, 8 p.m. for that one. Rams 0-2 at the Broncos, who are 2-0. 8.5 points for the Broncos in this one. They'll cover that. The Rams haven't played anyone. Uh, of note in the preseason. Jake Funk will play again, though. He'll he'll have a good game, I believe, once mm-hmm. again. Uh, be interested to see if Drew Locke plays or not after the loss of the of the starting quarterback position. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and, again, looking here at the injury report, too, is John Wolford the backup right now? for? Because yeah. he's on the injury list as questionable. So if he can't yeah, they go, haven't, they haven't played him all all preseason. So who's been playing then? Who's well, their other quarterback? Well, Bryce Perkins played the entire game last week. Mm. Um, in week one, they played uh, 
Perkins, and Devlin Hodges. So they have those two. Oh, he, I didn't know he was with the Rams, though. Yeah. He didn't play last week, though. It was all Bryce Perkins. So. But, yeah, it's probably going to be Bryce Perkins again. Maybe some of Duck Hodges if they want. So, yeah, the Broncos should cover eight and a half, I would believe. Because. They do have. The the Broncos, though, they have a couple uh, big names on their injury list on the offense, though. I, again, I don't know if they've been playing the starters in uh, the preseason games because I haven't really been paying attention to their games. But they have, yeah. Cortland Sutton, Cortland Sutton Noah Fant, and K.J. Hamler are all on the injury report right now. So if they can't go, those are three big names on their uh, list. Yeah, I don't think Cortland Sutton has played the entire preseason uh, Noah Fant has played sparingly. KJ Hamler's actually had a really good preseason, um, so I think if anyone plays, it's it might be him. But I think he only plays if Drew Locke is going to play. Um, you know, but the thing is, even if Drew Locke doesn't play, I still would think that Brett Rippon would be able to play well enough um, against the Rams to to cover eight and a half considering mm-hmm. the Broncos destroyed the Seahawks last week, even though that was Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, and then Rippon. But uh, over-under for that one is 34-905 kickoff. Chargers 1-1 one one at the Seahawks, who are 0-2. Seahawks favored by 5.5. Um, over-under is 35, 10 p.m. on NFL Network tomorrow. Not sure about that game. I have no clue who's going to play and who's not. Russell Wilson, Justin well, Herbert, not going to play, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, and, well, one of your favorite wide receivers is on the uh, injury report for the Chargers. Mike Williams is questionable. That's perfect, dude. I just traded him away if you didn't see. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody actually wanted him? Yeah. Yeah. I, I got a good price, too, I thought, anyways. Um, if sleeper loads, I can tell you. I uh, I traded Mike Williams and a 2024 third-round pick for a 2022 third-round pick, a 2023 fifth-round pick, and a 2024 second-round pick. You won that trade. Originally, I wanted a second-rounder this year, this coming year, in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, but I figured getting the... Getting the second rounder in three years <laughs> would be fine. <laughs> uh, I uh, there was a just a kind of side note since we were talking about this game in our dynasty league. I was offered a trade. Uh, I forget who it was. It might have been Russo was trying to trade me Tyler Lockett and a fourth round pick for a. 2022 first round pick and 2023 second round pick. <laughs> and I immediately declined that. Yeah, you want to trade for David Johnson? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anyways, Sunday's games, last day of preseason here. Uh, the Jags, 0 2. They're favored by 3.5 at the Cowboys, who are 0 3. Over-under is 37, 1 p.m. NFL Network. Most likely, no Trevor Lawrence. 
We already know Dak's not going to play. Unsure about the rest of the offense. I would assume not. So I would think it's going to be uh, either Cooper Rush, Garrett Gilbert versus uh, Gardner Minshew or C.J. Beathard. Uh, Dolphins, one and one at the Bengals, who are also one and one. Bengals favored by one and a half, uh, over under 36. 4 p.m. CBS gets their first game of the season out of the way in the, in the last day of preseason there. But, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly believe the Bengals will win. Joe Burrow is going to play at least one drive, so that's that. they might get a score there. Um, I don't think that any of the Dolphins starters are going to play because they have played very well throughout the preseason, so I don't think um, Brian Flores really needs to see anything else out of the offense or defense. Yeah. A lot of uh, Miami's offense is on the injured list anyway. Uh, Adam Shaheen is already listed as out, and uh, Albert Albert Wilson and Preston Williams are both questionable, so none of them probably play. And look at that, dude. Ryan... Santoso um, making his first field goal for the Panthers. It is 3-0 Carolina. Santoso kicks a 52-yarder and makes it. He won the job. (laughs) I agree. Um, All right, Raiders at Niners. Uh, Raiders 2-0, Niners 1-1. Niners favored by 5, actually. Wow, holy crap. What happened there? When I wrote the script just before the show, it was three and a half. And it's up to five right now. I have no clue. Maybe maybe they said Trey Lance is going to play more. Um, I highly doubt Garoppolo will, will, will play at all. Um, but, yeah, maybe Trey Lance starts. Actually, I think that is what they said. I don't remember if they actually said that before or not, but... I would think I would think Trey Lance is going to start this game. Probably do the same as Justin Fields in Chicago, play a whole half, um, and then let the the backups go through. For the Raiders, uh, maybe we'll see Mariota. Uh, well, I, he's listed as questionable on the injury report. So, well, the expectation was that he was going to play Week Two, but he didn't. Um, and Nathan Peterman has played two full games so far this preseason. So, <laughs> hey, man, John Gruden loves Nathan Peterman. <laughs> Whatever floats his boat. So, you know, we could get three. How about that, dude? Nathan Peterman, three full games in the preseason if Mariota doesn't play this one. <laughs> and he's 2 does, does that earn him an NFL roster spot, though? Oh, they keep three in, in Vegas. So. Well, so you think he's played himself onto the Raiders roster, though? Yeah, John Green loves him. There's, there's no other competition for the third string. Mm. Well, it would be interesting to see if the Raiders trade Mariota because Peterman played so well in the preseason. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, that one uh, over under 36 and uh, 4 p.m. NFL Network. Patriots 2-0. They are... Three-point favorites at the Giants, who are 0-2. Over-under, also 36. 6 p.m. NFL Network. 
be interested yeah, to see if I we mean, see Mac Jones. You think we see Mac Jones? It, I think it all depends on did uh, did they announce a starter? Did they say Cam is the starter? I don't think so. So I think whoever plays or starts tomorrow, I don't think they're the starter. Dude, why are the Eagles got to do that? Why are the Eagles got to do that to me? They already scored. Nice. They know I have Jets plus one and a half, dude. Come on. Like, why do the Eagles got to do that? <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know if we see Mac Jones, but I don't think that uh, we see any of the Giants starters tomorrow. Uh, obviously, we talked about Barkley before. He's still kind of rehabbing from his injuries, whatever. Uh, also, we know Galladay's injury history. He's already listed as questionable as well. Uh, and Canarius Tony, I don't know. He's listed as questionable, but I I don't see why he wouldn't play because I don't think he's a starter right now, right? He's the fourth receiver? Um, unsure. I believe he's the fourth receiver, so I don't see why he wouldn't play. And then... They also have John Ross there on the injury report as well as questionable, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, 50-yard touchdown from Joe Flacco to Boston Scott. Thank you. Thank you, Jets defense. Thank you. Really, dude? What is like? What are you guys doing? <laughs> but uh, last game here, Browns 2-0. Five-and-a-half-point favorites at the Falcons, who are 0-2. Over-under is 36, and 8 p.m. NBC. We get some Sunday night football vibes going for the last game of the preseason. Uh, It's funny. Uh, The Falcons have the shortest injury report out of all the teams I looked through. The only player on their injury report is A.J. McCarron, who's on the injured reserve. They have no other players on the injury report, yet they're six-point underdogs. Well, you know, it's the Browns. <laughs> That's why. So, yeah, and uh, Dwayne Haskins apparently just got picked off by Brian Burns. And so set up in, in good position for, for Sam Darnold there I guess we saw why Dwayne Haskins is a three and didn't beat Mason Rudolph <laughs> for the job but uh, alright that is all for the show today apologize it was a long one there's a lot going on um, but next Friday we will have college football week one there is a massive slate of games we'll be breaking down and and previewing also recapping all of the preseason games um or not 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 recapping all the preseason games that's going to be on monday we're going to recap there's a couple games during the week next week uh there's one on wednesday a couple on thursday as well that are important the wednesday one not very much important but we're going to do it because it's on wednesday it's the only game on wednesday um, and there's a couple ranked teams playing on Thursday. But, yeah, and then we'll also give our picks for the Heisman Trophy and National mm-hmm. Championship. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to do our, our top four, 
Um, and then our championship, or if we're just doing our championship, what do you think, Chris? I don't know. I, I like uh, doing the whole field. Or top six, I guess. First two out, and then top four. So. Yeah. Maybe we'll make that happen. <laughs> but, yeah, on Monday, we're going to be recapping all the preseason games, the five NCAA games going on this weekend. And then also... Um, on Monday, since we're doing our Heisman National Champ picks, that show is already going to be long enough. Monday, we're going to do um, our player award picks for NFL. Um, so offensive, defensive rookie of the year, offensive, defensive player of the year, MVP, comeback player of the year. Um, I think I got them all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that'll be our Monday show. And thank y'all for watching. Don't forget to follow us on all our social media at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, as well as on Facebook and here on YouTube. FAA Podcast dot com is our website. Check out all of our previous shows there. Thank you, Chris, and we will see you on Monday.